Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mana! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved patrol is doomed. Hello and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the world's greatest Doom Patrol related podcast where each and every episode we talk long and lovingly about our favourite superhero team, the mighty Doom Patrol. Hi everyone, I'm Paul. You can find me on Twitter at reading underscore Hicks, H-I-X, and also we're on waitingfordoom.com, our website, which is the same name of the show, coincidentally. Um, and we also have an email address, which is waitingfordoom at gmail.com, also the same. This is amazing coincidences. I know, yeah. And we're on Facebook and all our episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify and Podbean.com. Oh, yes. Hello, I'm Mike. You can find me on Twitter at AvantGarb. You can also find on Twitter our sentient show account. That's Wilfred. He's at WFDPod. Hello, Wilfred. How are you? Hello, humans. And this week we have a very special guest joining us in Doomsplaining shortly. But first, Paul, how has your week and a bit been since we last spoke? Uh, it, it's been good. I've been. I've started watching Picard, Mike. Picard. Oh, wow. Okay. And and how are you finding that? Yeah, it's really good. Um, you know, it's got a bit of sci-fi in it, and there's um, a bit of acting. Yeah, but I'm a bit of sci-fi. <laughs> I should hope so. <laughs> so yeah, it's been ages since I've sort of dipped into the Star Trek world, so it's um, I'm quite enjoying it. My wife is quite enjoying it too. It seems. Um, I wouldn't call it slow, uh, but it mm-hmm. seems like it's fairly deliberating in its pace, and uh, you know, it's it's taking him three eps to get into space. So, <laughs> oh wow, okay. Well, he is older now. You know, he's an old, he's a much older man now. So, yeah, got to get out that space Zimmer frame. And... <laughs> yeah. What, what about you, Mikey? What have you been up to? Getting ready for a wedding. What? Yes, I get married in a. <laughs> I, I know. Shocker. Yes, I've never talked about it. Um, Yes, uh, it's only a few days away till my wedding to my lovely Kylie, and yeah, so we're literally tying up loose ends and getting things taken care of still, <laughs> um, and Kylie is fighting off um, the return of her cold that she's had. Um, she It is not COVID-related, thank God we got tested and all that, so um, yeah, it's, it's uh, still fairly hectic times getting everything sorted for that. Um, including sorting out um, how we are going to live stream parts of the the ceremony and the reception, so that those who cannot join us um, can still view the event. So, ah, yeah, there's been that. Um, in terms of comics, I recently finished reading a collection called Batman: The Dark Knight Detective Volume Two, which has got some um, classic detective comics stuff in there, including Annual One. And some stuff from the Secret Origins um, uh, issues uh, from ages ago. But it's also, for, for those that don't follow me online, Paul and his lovely wife Sam sent us um, a very lovely wedding gift, uh, part of which included some Detective Comics issues. I realised that those ones were in this volume that I just read. So it's got like the Rat Catcher and the Ventriloquist uh, and, yeah, uh, uh, you know, Batman dealing with kids taking drugs on the street. So it was really cool. Um, but yes, thank you very much for your wedding gift, Paul. Actually, I think that was a birthday gift, a late birthday gift. But, uh... <laughs> well, considering my birthday's in June, yes. It's two months late. So. <laughs> the, cop- the Tremors Blu-ray was a ber- uh, wedding gift. 
Right, okay, yes. That that was certainly, yes, that was indeed a gift. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, our Blu-ray player's not working. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, that's okay. what every married couple need to start their marriage on the right note. The tremors. Copy of tremors. Yeah, right. it's essential. Yeah. Is it? Okay, is that, that, is that what right. happened with you and Sam? You... Um... <laughs> Oh, we've been married, what, how long now? 90, 92. So doing some mass. Uh, quite a few years. But yeah, I owe it all to Tremors. Right. <laughs> how to live life the Tremors way. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's a book you should write. Yeah. I should, yeah. yeah. The, the Tremors Guide to Better Living. Yeah. Huh. yeah. And uh, have you eaten any of the fudge in Rocky Road that we've seen you? No, we have not yet. Um, I, I think... Uh, Considering that um, a good portion of the the wedding gift box uh, was stuff clearly directed towards me, such as the Detective Comics issues, the Ron Randall Robot Man, uh, the Dice Masters Doom Patrol team pack, <laughs> um, I think uh, I might let Kylie have the the fudge and the chocolate in the box. I think that <laughs> I think that's the fairer thing to do. Uh, and she was especially chuffed with the Mr. and Mrs. G coffee mugs. She was quite delighted with yeah. that, as, as am I. So, yeah, she she hadn't thought of herself as Mrs. G um, until that very moment. So, yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, well, the, the Ron Randall sketch was a gift from Darren and Ruth. Um, mm-hmm. They sent me one of Rita, and they sent uh, one of Robot Man to me, and um, I've basically sat on it for a year because I thought, I'm going to see Mike next year at his wedding. Mm. And, yeah. Mm, no. Yeah, and it, no. No. <laughs> but you finally have it, so thank yes. you, Darren and Ruth, for that fantastic yes. picture. Thank you, the Sullivan And Ron. And Ron, yes, yes. I very much appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, don't feel bad about being the world's worst mule, Paul. It's fine. It's all good. It's even more special now that it's come as part of the wedding gift package. So, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, shall we look at um, what Doom News is newsing in the Doom world? Let's news it. Well, there's very little Doom news at the moment because Season 2 has ended in America. They've shown every single episode of Season 2. Uh, there's no word on whether Season 3 is uh, definitely coming. But, I mean, HBO Max has stolen uh, the Doom Patrol from the DC Universe app. And, you know, it's become one of their flagship shows. Um, so I really can't see it, you know, trickling to a stop at this point. I think we're no. going to get a full-on gush of Doom Patrol in the future. Um, now, the other thing is that we have, uh, we've ended Weight of the World, so there's no Doom Patrol comic out at the moment, and um, there's been some very dramatic happenings at DC this week with lots of um, layoffs and um, yes. firings and uh, a very brutal hatchet run through the, the staff, which is mm-hmm. you know very sad to hear, and yes. you know we wish the best to all the people involved there and hope that... Uh, yeah, it's not as grim as it seems, um, mm. and it's not as permanent. But, I mean, there's some amazingly talented people who are, you know, in the wind at the moment, and I, I you know, in the comic industry, there would be a place for these people because they have so much experience and so much talent, and, you know, we really wish them all the best. Yes. Uh, yep. And it must be very weird for the people who are, you know, still employed by DC, because um, it, it really is an unknown now what, what's to come. So, yes. you know, will there be... Uh, more focus on synergy and, you know, cutbacks. And, you know, uh, one thing I've noticed is every single day there's another DC um, 
digital first series popping up and, you know, these mm. smaller unexpected titles and they sort of release them very suddenly without, um, you know, much lead up. So, I mean, I was uh, speculating online, maybe there'll be some sort of future for the Doom Patrol in the interim as a digital first series, um, you know, perhaps maybe. revive oh. the name My Greatest Adventure. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? Um, that would be cool. And yeah. maybe do a range of stories about characters in the Doom Patrol across a range of times. So allow for Ooh. that, you know, the serious stuff and the goofy stuff and the heroic mm-hmm. stuff and the emotional stuff. So yeah. perhaps we'll see something like that. But, you know, we, we don't know. We don't know what's coming. We don't know um, when the next Doom Patrol fix will come from. So, you know, we're jonesing. Oh. We're down in the alley. You know, we're turning tricks. We're waiting. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> We, we are literally waiting for Doom once more. Yeah, it's familiar. It's comforting. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's awkwardly comforting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mike, um, one thing I wanted to ask you uh, before your wedding, and you know, there's a lot going on, but mm. what is that ticking? Oh, um, that was a gift from Wilfred. That is the Doom Clock. Ah. <laughs> So yes, as we look upon the face of the mighty Doom Clock, we can see that it has been just on five weeks since we had a new Doom Patrol book on the shelves, that being issue seven of Doom Patrol Weight of the Worlds, which we discussed in our last episode, episode 161 from July of 2020. And yeah, as we were just saying, uh, as that was the final issue of the series, we've got no idea at this stage of what the future may hold, other than the collected edition of Weight of the Worlds being due at some point in late September of 2020. So at this stage, at at this stage, at this at this stage, a, a, as the kids say, yep. yes, could be a ruse. It might not be a ruse. <laughs> My bits. Uh, <laughs> anyway, now that we've got all that out of our system, Paul, are you ready for the this week in Doom Patrol history guessing game? I am. I'm so ready. I was born. You're so ready. ready. You you were born ready. Okay. Uh, I'm going to roll the. And I was born ready. Yeah. Going to roll the eight sided die of doom. Oh, I'm getting two. Oh, I'm feeling generous, so because it's my, my wedding very soon. <laughs> um, and because there's two days to go, I'm going to add two to your two, so you get four. Does that make sense? Forty. Forty-two questions. No, Thank no, you, no. Thank you. Four. That, no, I can really work with that. Stop failing math. It's four. <laughs> okay, four. You say three or eight? <laughs> four. I can't believe... I, I, okay, sidetrack into a different show. I can't believe you gave me a Detective Comics issue to look out for and to get for you, which I then got, which you then turned around and said, oh, I'm sorry, I got the number wrong. <laughs> uh, anyway. It's all, that's all hearsay, Mike. There's no evidence that that happened. I, I have printed, I have a screenshot of the text conversation we had <laughs> with you telling me what Detective Comics issue to look out for. I will send that to you later. Uh, okay, we're getting sidetracked. We are, we are, we are. Okay, anyway, question one of four for the Doom Patrol mm. history guessing game. Okay. Is this... Um, is this uh, part of volume... Is it higher or lower? Than, uh, where in relation to volume four is this uh, issue? Lower. Where in relation to volume four is this issue? <laughs> Boom. It is it is lower than volume four. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Question is two it, of four. 
is it um, lower or higher than volume two? Or it part is, of volume two? Perhaps? It is part of volume two. Oh, okay. Um, all right, good. E- is it written by Rachel Pollack? It is not written by Rachel Pollack. Okay. Is it uh, issue 37? It is not issue 37, unfortunately. Is it issue 38? You've had your questions. <laughs> is it 39? 40? <laughs> going, on, going on sale for $1.50 American on August 9th, 1988, with a cover date of 1988, was Doom Patrol Annual 1. Edited by Robert Greenberger, this annual gave us two different stories. The first, titled Public Works, was brought to us by Paul Kupperberg, James W. Fry, Al Vey, Gaspar Saladino, and Nancy Houlihan, and had the patrol trying to stop the rampaging Maddox the Destroyer, who had been hired by... Maddox! He's mad and he's got... Maddox. Yeah. Uh, And Maddox had been hired by Lex Luthor to basically start tearing up Kansas City uh, and trying to discredit the team and turn the public against them. And the second story was titled That Daring Young Woman on the Flying Trapeze and was brought to us uh, again by Paul Kupperberg, but this time with Randy DeBurke, Kyle Baker, Bill Oakley and Thomas J. Zwicko. And that story had Lodestone, Rhea Jones, visiting a circus and getting in the way of a racket boss demanding money from the circus owners. So, yeah... Two interesting stories there. We covered that uh, issue all the way back in episode 27 from August of 2015. Five years ago, Paul. Good Lord. Uh, And Mm. you can find that uh, episode over in the Doom dossier for Volume 2, Part 1 at WaitingForDoom.com. And that is it for the Doom Clock this week. Is it uh, Doom Patrol (laughs) Annual Number 1? Paul. That's where you know I'm doing the editing this week. So. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> I know. I can't believe I got it right. That's amazing. <laughs> now, look, I'm happy to do the editing now. <laughs> Honey, just, I might be, I might be late for the wedding. Uh... <laughs> Good day. Oh, dear. Okay. The Justice League wouldn't help him, so Batman formed a new team. These people of power are all looking for something, be it their past, or a purpose, or simply somewhere to fit in. These are the heroes for a troubled age. They are the Outsiders. We are the Outsiders! Covering Mike W. Barr's 1983 series from the very beginning, as they face villains no other team can, like Agent Orange, the Force of July, and the Nuclear Family. <laughs> Puns. This is The Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. Look for us with The Huntress Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Or listen at our website, thehunterspodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at BatOutcasters. We are the Outcasters because to live outside the law, you must be honest.
And now it's the part of the show that we call Doomsplaining, and uh, we've got something very special today. We are talking to the man inside Robot Man's suit on the TV show The Doom Patrol that is beamed all around the world and uh, has made Doom Patrol bigger than we could have ever imagined. (laughs) Um, So we're talking with Riley Shanahan. Hey, Riley. Hey. Hi. What's up? How's it going, everybody? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's going great here. Thanks so much for joining us, Riley. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great, you know, all things considered, doing well, holding up, you know, <laughs> staying sane. <laughs> so you and your family are okay in this uh, time of weird world crisis? Yeah, yeah, thank thank goodness. Everybody's good. Um, I, I escaped to uh, Maryland, uh, which is a state in the United States that... Uh, is on the East Coast. I live in LA, but I went to my girlfriend's parents' place, and we're kind of laying low. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, so it's nice. Lots of uh, outdoor time, and you know, I made a path in the woods the other day with a machete. So you know, <laughs> oh, wow. just kind of like bear grills. Uh, you know, <laughs> bear grills again over here. <laughs> Seeing your work on the Doom Patrol TV show, you you've very tall and imposing in the Robot Man suit. So Paul and I were wondering exactly how tall are you, Riley? I am I am six foot five feet tall. Wow. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. That is tall. Yes, I played basketball. That's the follow up question. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. That's that's okay. Well, that would with the um, I'm guessing the extra bulk of the suit as well. That would be why you look so Im- impressive on the on the screen in the suit. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. People have told like I've I've heard different fan theories before pictures were out like in season one where people thought. It was someone shorter, and they were seeing out of like the chest area, like mm-hmm. in, like oh. Barney suit or something. At a, you know, <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm seeing where I'm seeing out of where the eyes are seeing. You know, it's a wild thing though. It's it's so beautiful. Uh, L. J. Shannon and her team at uh, uh, Creative Character Engineering have just done a remarkable job creating this beautiful robot husk that I, you know, it's 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 such a privilege to be able to. Get in there. I mean, it's it's a bear. It's like a weighs forty five pounds, but it's it's such a privilege because it's just so beautiful. I think it's like a work of art. So, so how long does it take you to to get prepped in the suit fully? Is that like a long process, or is it fairly easy now? You've had a two seasons to get used to it. Gosh, that's so crazy. We've had two seasons. Now. I know. That's, <laughs> <why>. uh, <laughs> that's so cool. Um, yeah, we've gotten much quicker. We've gotten much quicker at it. It started off being. Probably like at a, uh, 45 minutes to an hour, and now it's probably 20 to 30 minutes all said and wow. done. And it's okay. done in different different steps. There's all these under layers and all these different steps. And um, yeah, there's, it's a lot of different because there's no real suit to speak of. That's the crazy thing. It's a bunch of pieces, right? It's just a bunch of like okay. little pieces that make a suit. It's not one thing I put on. It's like 140 different pieces or something. You know? <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And do you pick the T-shirts, or are they chosen for you? They're chosen for me. I don't pick the T-shirts. LJ Shannon, the costume designer for the super suits, uh, chooses them. But but I love, yeah, I love the T-shirts. I like when I'm wearing band shirts of bands that I, I think my favorite one was like The Clash. Exactly, <laughs> The Clash. So I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> cool. So what about uh, when you need toilet breaks? How How long does it take to is like a long time to get out of the suit and then back into it or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes yeah it takes it takes a second there's like these hard foam underlayers that are attached to these under armor bits and it's hard to 
you know, it just kind of takes, it takes the time it takes, man. And everybody on set's really great where they're, you know, I, I it's like a push and pull where I, I try to like, you know, give them as much as I can until I'm like, all right, I really got to go. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> five or 10 minutes, depending on where, where the restroom is. But yeah. I imagine you take the gloves off. <laughs> yeah. That's step one. I don't want to. Yeah. Step one is those massive robot gloves come off. That's right. <laughs> and and the thing that's always got me wondering is how how do you? Uh, I'm wondering what the synergy is between the lines that Brendan Fraser is saying and and what your physical movements are. Is like uh, Brendan on on set or you know in a room somewhere and you're listening to him through um, a headset or are you saying the lines aloud and then he's just overdubbing it later in the studio? How, how does that actually work? That's exactly right. Yeah, I'm saying the lines in the moment, and then he he ADRs them audio digital recording okay. of my fifth behavior later. Right. But what I get even before that, usually I'll get a scratch track of Brendan um, playing around with, uh, you know, and, and doing kind of different takes of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the lines in the episode, and I get that, and so I, I kind of listen to that early on in the process once or twice, and tr- and then try to forget about it because I don't want to straight mimic what he's doing. I want to be able to respond truthfully to what's happening in the moment. But what I think you guys would think is interesting is I, I do a bit of a Brendan Fraser um, impersonation when I'm in the <gasps> character, right? Because I, I am Riley Shanahan playing this character, sure. But, mm. you know, there's even big fans of the show who are like, whoa, Brendan is not in the suit? And it's like, no. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> people, people don't know about it. People don't know about it. And so it, it's one of those things where it's this massive trick, you know? And mm. um, so I, I have to think about it in this way of like, okay, I'm playing this character, but I, it's kind of through the funnel, right? And through the lens of like Brendan Fraser. So it's like, what would Brendan do, you know? Right. Um, and so I've started doing a bit of a, you know, impersonation. Hey, what the fuck? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What's going on? Oh, what the fuck? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Betty! Like from the month. <laughs> Betty! <laughs> Yeah, he's great, man. We're good. We're good pals too. We're close. And what's crazy about us is that we are uh, we have some wild synchronicities mm-hmm. where we both. I don't know if you saw this, if you looked it up at all, but like we went to the same like nine hundred person arts college in Seattle. Oh 20 wow, or, twenty or thirty years apart. Yeah. While while we were there, we had the same mentor, named Hal, <laughs> and then also on top of it all. We have the same birthday, December 3rd. So it's just a weird, like, synchronistic kind of thing that happened that we're working together. Wow, that's insane. And, and mm-hmm. here you are, both playing, you know, both two halves of the one character as well. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Right. No, it, it's, it's totally wild. Yeah. If I wrote that story, you'd be like, oh, that's, I don't believe that it's true. But it's just yeah, my life. It's just a Doom Patrol plot, yeah. <laughs> That's the Doom Patrol for all. Oh my gosh, totally. <laughs> and you guys, you, I'm so interested in your podcast because you are a Doom Patrol exclusive podcast from the comic books, right? Yeah, so you guys yeah. follow the comic books. That's, that's so cool. That's exactly how we started and, and why we called the, the show Waiting for Doom because when we started, we're now in our sixth year, and when we ah. started it, um, there was no Doom Patrol comic book. And so the premise was, we are waiting for the Doom Patrol to come back because we're such big fans of it. Um, yeah. And yeah, we've covered pretty much everything in print. Um, yeah. We've got, hang on, I've got the comics here. We have exactly three issues left of Volume 5 <laughs> left wow. to cover. Uh, and then we've, co- oh, and uh, a JLA 
um, sort of uh, Elseworlds, like alternative Earth um, story that the Doom Patrol appear in that we forgot that we hadn't covered. Um, So once we've done those... Uh, we we have literally covered everything <laughs> in print at this oh, stage. Um, so you know who was on set once was uh, Richard Case, who who uh, illustrates the um, yeah yeah. And, um, he, he was really nice guy. Oh, he's he's so sweet. Yeah, we um we had him on as our special guest oh. for our one hundredth episode. So there you go. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. We really we really got along. He he gave me a custom print of Robot Man. It was the sweetest thing. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, we, Expecting nothing from him at all. I was just happy to meet him, and he got me. He gave me this gift. I was like, "Oh my gosh, it was, he's the best." Yeah. And he was on set. It was just like his mind was blown because it's so. It's especially you've probably seen. It, especially like, I feel like our show is inspired by particularly that Grant Morrison mm. run. Yeah. And so you know, with Nernheim and season one, mm-hmm. and you know, just all these like particular things, deep cuts. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's how we started, and and we've had um, who else have we had? We've had uh, Paul Kupperberg, who wrote, like he did uh, eighteen issues of uh, the Doom Patrol before Grant Morrison took over. Yeah. So his wow. his was sort of like a bit more traditional superheroic type stuff, uh, and he right. wrote a couple of stories of theirs in the seventy, uh, sort of late seventies, early eighties. Um, yeah. Who else have we had on? Uh, Ron Randall, who did some of the art in Volume Five. Um, so yeah, we, we've tried to get you know actual. Do- we, we've had friends um, and other creators on on the show that are fans of the of the Patrol. Uh, but yeah, when we can, we we like um, try to get actual members of the Doom Patrol family on, on the great. show as well. Yeah, yeah. Happy so, to be here. So cool. Yeah, and look, if if you you know want to spread the good word to anyone else on the cast, we will gladly have them on. Yeah, um, because we've covered um, season one uh, on on various episodes, uh, which yeah. blew our mind. Of course, yeah. Like that that's the yeah. thing. When we started the show, there was no Doom Patrol comic, and since we yeah. started it, there's been two new volumes of Doom Patrol and a nice. TV show, and we're like, what yeah. the heck? <laughs> it's like. Yeah, some zeitgeisty stuff or something, you know. <laughs> it was such a niche podcast when we started it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. And now I'm sure you guys have much more followers as a result of it of its popularity. Um yeah, we've we've increased a bit in numbers. Um but but yeah, it's kind of like uh, in more instances than not it's kind of like um you know, a, a friend or a fan of the show will you know, retweet when we um post out our latest episode and then someone will go oh my gosh you mean to tell me there's an actual doom patrol podcast and we're like yeah we've been here six that years. was my response that was my response when i heard about it i was like when you guys asked me i was like wait what <laughs> <laughs> okay so um con- considering it's such a physical role uh, on yeah. the show for you riley who are your uh, like performance or, or acting heroes oh wow yeah that's a great question um, I mean, specifically how you frame that question, the first person that comes to mind is is uh, Andy Serkis from... Uh, you know, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lord of the Rings and, you know, uh, Black Panther, like mm-hmm. I, the Planet of the Apes. Like, I think what he's been able to do with his career and his kind of level of physical expression, um, I find really inspirational. And so, I, yeah, I think he's definitely somebody that I, I keep in mind. Um, and then, yeah, gosh, I love I love a lot of actors, man. I love actors. Um I love another one like uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. incredible, and he, the, he with Johnny Lee Miller played a 
he did a uh, Frankenstein at the National Theater, which is you can broadcast it on online, and it's just so incredible watching their physicality kind of come to uh, express the the monster. And Frankenstein is somebody who just the story of Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster, is is that particular character in literature is something that really inspired me in the beginning and continues to because it's this person experiencing this second life mm, and mm. he can't, he can't feel things. And so he's, he's embodied He's embodied in this totally different thing, much like Frankenstein's monster, you know, taking a brain and just plopping it in, you know, um, or like young Frankenstein, Abby normal. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> From Mel Brooks, but yeah, like yeah. so. So I just I get really, uh, yeah, I get really inspired by plays and movies, and I, yeah, I love I love Andy Serkis, and um, I love Jim Carrey for the similar reasons. Oh yeah, uh, yep. You know, just his physicality. Like mm. I think I do similarly that broad comedy thing. I really love. I do. I love all types of comedy, but I just <laughs> love making people laugh. It's one of my favorite people, favorite things: making people laugh or making people feel or experiencing something about their own humanity only through a silent physical story. There's something so, so, and I've always had that. So this job is just, again, like it was just like stepping into this very familiar territory where I was like, Oh yeah, I know this. I know what this is like of, of, you know, um, telling stories through, through physicality. So what scenes on the show have been the hardest for you to have to work through and, and which are you, you're most proud of? Oh, for sure. I'm very proud of the whole thing. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm definitely very proud of the whole show. I, I think that the cast is so stellar and it's such an ensemble show, right? Yes. So it's yeah. just like, it's very much like a relay race where sometimes, you know, Javan who plays cyborg has got the baton. Sometimes I've got the baton, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we have different, different days that are harder for one another, but gosh, things that come to mind from, Oh, the stuff in season two in the space shuttle. Okay. Was, was particularly uh, challenging because the space shuttle was so small. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. so I'm so large and imposing. I had to get myself in these really small, <laughs> you know, areas. And I'm just there's some funny pictures of me just kind of huddled in the corner. You know, um, those were fun. And then I remember going. I forget which episode it was, but in the first season, um, going to I think episode nine. Um, when he goes down to uh, the well inside of James. Oh, right, yes. Yep. That's, that's, which is like, I love that episode. I love, like, it's just so, once we got to go into her mind and really get more information about mm. Jane and all of her personalities and, and yep. her DID, it was just like so, and like, yeah, Diane's just smashing it. Love her. Love working with her. And like, there was a tough one where he, he Robot Man's legs by Big Daddy get... Yep. You know, something happens to his legs where they get, you know, <laughs> taken off his body. Yeah, Doom Patrol. Uh, that's, yeah. That's, the, that's the drinking game we have on the show, too. Every time Robot Man uh, loses a limb, <laughs> take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And it's in the comics, too. Like, that's probably yeah. why. Yeah. So every, every cover, it's somebody holding Robot Man's head or yep. holding his arm or something. Yeah. Um, and so that one uh, was tough because his legs get taken off and then I was crawling around just using my arms like a, like an ape or something yeah. like just dragging the rest of my body. And that was really challenging. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I imagine uh, it would have been hard to keep straight faces and get through the scenes easily on uh, Danny the Street when um, <laughs> when Flex uh, flexed the wrong muscle, unfortunately. <laughs> Did that take quite a while to get through all of those scenes? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Devin uh, Long, who plays uh, Flex, is a friend of mine. He's such a sweetheart. And uh, he's getting married soon, too. Or he oh, just cool. got married, actually. Yeah. Uh, but he's such a sweetie. But he, God bless him, he was messing up one of those lines, and then we, he would go, and then we would all go, you know, because <laughs> what we were doing was just so goofy. And I'm lucky because I've got the mask, so sometimes a scene will keep going if I break, because I'll just, like, start smiling <laughs> under the mask, and I'll be like, well, lucky that I've got this, because, uh, you know, I'm yeah. straight just geeking under this, you know. So when you first um, were auditioning for the, for the role, um, had uh, I'm just curious... Uh, are you any, a comics fan at all, or was like the the audition process and the initial scripts you got to read was that your introduction to the Doom Patrol? Because I'm wondering if like you had any sort of idea as to what you were getting into, or whether it was a case of what the heck is all this weirdness? It was what the heck is all this weird? I had no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I had no idea. I, I I didn't really know comic books beyond you know X Men, mm-hmm. Iron Man, yep. stuff like that. Like. You know, and and mostly knew the stuff that had been adapted to movies or TV, and so sure, yeah. Dune Patrol. I was I initially heard Dune Patrol, D U N. I was like, what is it? Huh? What? And you know, I've come <laughs> to love it, and I've read damn near everything, and and I just I I think it's so wild and fun. But yeah, when I when I first heard about it, I had no idea, and the process of of um, the audition. A lot of people ask me that, but it was just a normal. Normal audition process. Okay. That was the great yeah. is that it was just I got sides from casting folks and I, I did the sides in my room, you know, in, in, in our living room at my yep. place in LA and uh, my girlfriend helped me and did it against a gray sheet on an iPhone, you know, with a with a makeshift tripod and bada bing bada boom, you yep. know, two Here years we are. later. Two years later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. So it's totally was a total Copernican turn in my life, just total just shift. Um, yeah. You know, I was, I was, I, I come from theater. I was about to happily do a play in Pasadena and I had to sadly turn that down, but happily accepted this yeah. job. It's been such an abundant thing. It's been so, um, I'm so, yeah, I'm so grateful for it. It's been yeah, really fun. And, <laughs> just personally, uh, I have to say that Robot Man is my favorite character in the Doom Patrol yeah. because he's, he's like just an everyman who, um, you know, through some weird twists of fate, is in a super strong robotic body and he gets involved in really weird stuff, but he just always tries to do the right thing by people uh, no matter what. And so to see your performance on screen, especially uh, in, in like that first episode where you and Jane were outside in the rain and that, and that, that scene there, the first time I saw, I was almost in tears of joy. It was just like, Oh my God, they've pulled it off with that one scene. Like it was so good. So that was the um, thing too. I think early on that, all the producers and directors still tell me and, and Matthew Zook as well, who plays negative man, like that nobody really knew. Nobody really knew if this was going to work. Mm, mm. That was the thing. We were all just like, well, hopefully, you know, but they wanted to make sure there were actors in the suits, you know, Yep. and, yep. and, and people, you know, and, and being in there and, and yeah, they, to everyone's yeah. Delight. It works and it works yeah. really well. And robot man, you're so right. He's such a tender person I think. exactly Clint, yeah he's so tender is the truth of it like he's got this really rough exterior in more ways than one 
but he's he's got this real tin man thing going on, a real tender heart. Yeah. And uh, and I think the truth of it is like Cliff, I think, becomes a better person as a robot, at least in our show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, than he was as a person. I think as a person, he was a kind of he was pretty blind to a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and and kind of a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so I just love the arc of him in the show is, is he really kind of, yeah, becomes the man that he, you know, fulfills his potential as a person, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's really, I find it really beautiful. Cause when we knew the show was coming out, it was kind of like, okay, we can expect that they're going to take some liberties or, you know, slightly change things. And it's been fascinating to see Cliff as a human, you know, mm. being kind of mm. awful, uh, yeah. Because in the comics, we don't really see a lot of his life before he became Robot Man. We we knew he was a ro- uh, robot racer, a race car driver, uh, <laughs> right. and and we knew that some of his family was still around. But that was pretty much it. So to see him, yeah, to to see you know, flesh and bone Cliff sort of kind of not being the nicest guy, and then yeah, trying to you know make amends with his daughter and. Um, you know, look after Jane and and just try and be a better person all around. Yeah, it's it's a really fascinating journey that he's on. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, now speaking of of uh, Matthew Zook before, um, mm-hmm. have, have you guys formed a, a special bond, being like the you know the on screen presences of these characters? Yeah, big time. We yeah, I think yeah, nobody really knows what we do uh, as much as him and I, and I, we we mm. definitely have mm. a bond of like solidarity with one another where we we definitely see each other because it's a really specific job right like it's you're there you're doing the thing you're saying the words you're connecting with the other actors you're playing the scene Mm. and then and then to know later that it's another person and you know it's it's yeah it's it's an interesting relationship to work and so we yeah we really bond over um over the similarities of of our gigs and uh and I think have really become close because of it, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, it's it's so fascinating that, yeah, we've got two two characters that, you know, the voices are done elsewhere, but it's it's such great physical performances from both of you on the show. Oh, thanks. Um, I, yeah. I, and, yeah, Matt Bomer and Brendan Fraser, they couldn't be nicer and more generous, too. Mm. Like, every time they're on set, they're so sweet, and they're, yeah, they're really... I'm, I'm really grateful to be... Um, connected to Brandon in that way, you know, and he's just such a sweetheart yeah. and, uh, and, and really, yeah, he just cares about the work and I've learned a ton from him. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things we're very keen on seeing is, uh, the social media, um, tweets about the show and Instagram stuff. It seems there's a real sense of camaraderie between all the, um, onset cast. Is that the case? And what's it yeah. like working with everyone? Yeah. Great. It's a great question. Yeah. We love each other, man. I mean, I think, we all realize it's an ensemble show and we're carrying it over the finish line, you know, as a team. And, uh, yeah, we really, we really all get along. Like we'll play when we're on set together, we'll play like charades to pass the time. <laughs> if it's, you know, if a setup taken really long and like, we'll all hang out, you know, every so often and just, and get together. And, um, and I think it, I'd like to think, look, I, I, I'm too close to it. I couldn't say, but I'd like to think that because of that, kind of connection and camaraderie that we have off screen that it comes off that it comes through on screen 
I think it does, and I think it, I think it affects the work in a really like positive way. But yeah, I love those guys, man. I love those guys. I miss those guys. You know, <laughs> they're they're great. It's a great team, and um, yeah, I'm proud to be I'm proud to be a part of it. Yeah. I'm sure it's too early to, you know, say anything about season three, but you know, I'd bet my bottom dollar that it's going to happen. Just um, based on the show, just seems to be growing in popularity, and mm. you know, and it certainly has a really good reputation uh, as far as the sensitivity of which it tackles, you know, disability and all these, you know, complex issues like that. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. with the addition of um, Abigail Shabiro to the uh, the cast, you know, there's yeah. a, a new dynamic there. Is you know, uh, are you optimistic and hopeful for that? I mean, you know, absolutely. I certainly hope that that's the case. Um, you know, it's it, I. It's funny because I, all of this feels so far away. Like for doing season two, I'm like, oh yeah, that happened, and it feels like it happened years ago for some reason. But uh, <laughs> but and I did my part in it already. So yeah, I, I certainly hope that a third season comes along. That would be that would be amazing and yeah the addition of abby was so great it was funny working with her i worked on her with her one of the first days we both worked together we like started season two together um mm-hmm. like we were the first first two in a scene together right and it was just like i'm i've got my frankenstein boots on i'm like seven foot tall with all this stuff and she's <laughs> like this very small like like just comparatively you know what i mean and so yeah we we like doing like um um, tap dances. We were doing like shuffle off to Buffalo because we both come from theater. So we were just like nerding out on like theater stuff. It was funny, but she's great, man. She's great. Yeah. And I think the show does, like you said too, it does. I think I, I always thought that it's such a good one for the fans. Cause it's so, I think it's just so from what my experience of the comics has been, you guys can say more, I'm sure, but like it, it is that it's so honest to, what was created, you know, mm. in, in some of these comic books. And so I feel like it's such a nod to the fans in that regard. But I also, to your point of it, tackling these issues, it's just so psychologically real and does it with such a tact that, mm. um, yeah, it has that, that is so um, inspiring to me as far as seeing that on a popular primetime TV show dealing with, you know, like um, Danny the Street, you know, like a queer teleporting fucking street that needs to party to stay alive. I mean, come yeah. on, what's not to love about that? You know, <laughs> it's just good. It's all good. Now, Timothy Dalton, um, is it is he too much star power for you know mere mortals to comprehend? <laughs> I love him, man. I love that guy. <laughs> he's he's Bond. He's James Bond. Yep. 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 He's fucking like he's. Incredible, and I got to know him more in season two because we worked more together. Um, and he's he's the nicest dude, and he's so talented. I just think he's such a good actor and such a sweetheart, and and really just like makes the show all that that much better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, is he too much star power for mere, mere mortals to handle? I mean, look, I have a funny story about that where I was FaceTiming my mom on set and. You know, my mom is probably about a little bit younger than Tim, you know, but my mom would know Tim as a bond, you know. And so I was like, hey, mom, I'm going to, you know, pass the phone to Tim really quick. I just pass it to Tim. (laughs) And he goes, and my mom, without missing a beat, just goes, I love your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And Tim just goes, 
thank you. You know, and passes the phone back to me, and I'm just beat red. I'm like, oh my god, mother. <laughs> it was like she. It was like it, she wasn't speaking it. It like came out of her subconscious. It came out of her soul. <laughs> wow. Now, um, comics. Where, where are you at with the comics? Have you dived in at all, or you know, dipped your t- toe in? Oh yeah. I mean, when I first got the gig, I. I tried to consume all of it that I can. Um, I got a lot of the Gerard Way ones because those are the ones that were out at the time and I think are still coming out if I'm, if I, if I'm correct in my knowledge They've there. They've just finished. Okay, great. So I'm, I'm sort of right. So, um, yeah, man. And I, I, I got the big Grant Morrison compendiums and the, just because that's what the one I was told to spend the most time with because that's the one that, as you can see with the show, it's kind of most... The, the correlations are most, um, mm-hmm. you know, there for the, a lot of the visual inspiration and stuff. And I, what I do with the comics with the show is I keep them in my trailer and I, because it's all about phys- physicality, right? Like that's, that's the thing I bring to the show. Um, and I keep those in my trailer and thumb through them periodically and just like try to get inspired by the, you know, tableaus that are in there. You know, a lot of times Robot Man running or do, just doing something really particular and how, you know, Richard Kayser or someone like drew it, I try to like, uh, I try to take that and embody it, not only for inspiration, but also like I know how closely people are watching the show. So I want to like, I want to give fans a little extra appreciation, like for, you know, keeping us, <laughs> you know, giving, letting us do this for as long as we have, you know, and, and just like as an extra nod, you know, so I try to, I try to lift stuff directly from those. So, yeah, I was, I was actually watching the show the other day with the sound turned down just to look at your physical performance. And it really struck me that, you know, sometimes you're moving very slowly and sometimes you're just whipping your head around and whipping your, you know, your chin up and down and it's very fast and very reactive to what's going on. And, you know, you're following people as they walk around with your eyes and it, it's, it's really impressive. And, you know, certainly you bring Robot Man to life as a real character. Um, like, I don't see a guy in a suit when you're doing that. It's, you know, mm, yeah. it's Robot Man. It's yeah. man who is a robot. That means a lot. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And I, I, I take that to heart, man, because I, I certainly try to focus on, you know, making it something else. And I think it's a collaboration, right? At the end of the day, it's it's the amazing people who shoot the show it's it's lj and the, the designers and the costumers on set helping me look good and everything but i yeah i, I uh i appreciate that because i do think the job at the end of the day for me is trying to breathe life into an empty shell right like trying mm-hmm. to breathe life into this thing because like yeah. when it sits there it is very it's still very beautiful and it's it's very striking but i try to just kind of i try to turn it into something communicable so i'm glad that that tracks and i really appreciate your kind words <laughs> no worries now you're a you're a good looking bloke um ah, come on <laughs> well he's not wrong us. you know <laughs> um do you, you ever planning to get out of the suit and you know are there any comic book roles that you'd love to take um where you get to s- see your face or anything like that god yeah hell yeah that'd be great <laughs> If you know of anybody uh, hiring? No, I'm kidding. Um, we have yeah. so many connections. Let me tell you, <laughs> we don't really. Yes, I no. I'd love to. I thought about that. I'd love to. Like the first thing that comes to mind is like I. I feel like it's not the Joker, 
but it is like a villain in the Batman world. Like someone like I feel like I really like the Riddler from that okay. George Clooney with Jim Carrey play. I just there's something about the Riddler. I was always like this character. This guy's this cat's weird. It's like somebody <laughs> like that or somebody like you know somebody with evil intent. Because I think I'm like a nice person, and I always think it's interesting watching nice people play evil. And I think that it's just like villains are juicy. Villains are juicy, yeah. man. So I'd love to get in there and play the play a villain. Well, given your height, Riley, and although yeah. you would have to wear a mask for a good portion of this role, if we're, if we're thinking Batman villains, may I suggest Scarecrow? Oh, yeah. Imagine your height in the Scarecrow outfit. And sure, we'd see Jonathan, J- Jonathan Crane before he went full psycho Scarecrow. But oh, yeah, yeah. Your, your height, your physicality in the Scarecrow costume. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Hollywood, call me. I'm an ideas man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So how was it different with season two? I guess in season one, it felt very experimental and you're all taking this tremendous risk. And um, in season two, you would have all been sort of um, validated that it was worthwhile and, you know, people love it. Uh, So, yeah. So how was it in the production for the second season? Yeah, I mean, you said it. You never know when you're making something if it's going to take. So during season one, it's like, and we got a little bit of it season one when I think it aired in February and we were still working um, and I think finished in April. But it, we were like, all right, is this going to work? This is going to work, right? We think this, is all <laughs> this is great, right? Wait, this is this is really dope, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Wasn't it? And then season two was more like, this is dope. We have people making this for you know, and so it was. A, there was there was an attitude of we were just a little more settled, and it's so great. It's such a pleasure as an actor too to spend time with somebody, to spend time with Cliff Seal, and and to spend time with an embodiment of a character because you can just build on it, right? So mm. so you learn so much from doing it and from researching and from just being in the moment with that person, and so to be able to do this for these two seasons, like, and to be able to grow with him because that was the cool thing for season one that my character particularly right the pilot is he's we just see him you know getting put into a robot body Mm, and so that the pilot and then the ensuing episodes are him learning how to move in this new thing also simultaneously riley was learning how to move in that thing. <laughs> so it, it was actually this really cool opportunity to learn on screen because part of the hinkiness and all of that, of, of kind of developing the character, you can see in the show, and it's one of those cool marriages of form and content. That it's mm. like, oh, something that was going on in my world with my uncomfortability with the suit and my like um, awareness around like the fact that I didn't develop a whole cadre of movements beforehand was actually perfect because neither did he. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so that was, that's a cool opportunity. So what's the most surprising thing about, you know, some of the cast you're working with, some of the things that you really didn't expect with, you know, these very talented um, actors and actresses. Oh, Timothy Dalton does a cute thing. Where he he'll ask for a quarter cup of coffee if we're working into the evening, <laughs> at like three in the morning. He's like, "Excuse me, could I get a quarter cup of coffee?" You know, and like just like, and I I've stolen that from him because I think that's a good idea because you have to ration your 
caffeination in the film world because you do need to be awake, but also you want you don't want to be wired and then go home after an overnight and be awake for the whole day. You know what I mean? So that that's like a cute thing, and I was surprised by that. But also just like surprised by everybody like being as friendly as they are. I guess like everyone's like really down to earth. Like you hear these yeah. like stories about people on sets and good goodness knows I've had some experiences as well where they haven't been maybe the best or haven't been most above board, but like everybody here is like just super like we're, we are friends. Like we are genuinely friends. Yeah. We're on a text thread. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I feel like that's the level, right? <laughs> yeah. But the fact that everyone's so kind and generous. And I do feel like that comes from our executive producer and showrunner, Jeremy Carver. I just believe in leadership and stuff trickling down. Right. Mm-hmm. And like Jeremy is such a, he's so talented and so excellent at his job and simultaneously so kind. And I feel like he created a team and created a culture where you could be excellent and kind at the same time. And like, that's, it's probably a boring answer, <laughs> but like, no, it's, it's not, it's, it's great to know that it's such a good environment to be working in. Yeah. Yeah, genuinely. Everybody's really, like, yeah, everybody's really cool and everybody's really kind. And that's, yeah, I think that comes from Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the sort of production where if you're a prima donna, you would always be, you know, uncomfortable because you're being asked to do ridiculous things quite often. And, you know, like in this scene where, you know, you're going to jump inside a donkey. And, you know, yeah, there's all this ridiculous stuff. And it would seem that, you know, if you took yourself too seriously, um, you wouldn't be a big, uh, a good fit in that environment. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Because there is a kind of level of lunacy you have to have when you're receiving next week's script, you know, <laughs> when you're just like, all right, what are we going to do? And you do have to have an openness to whatever you're, you receive. Because I, I, when, when I started thinking, I understood the minute I think I'm understanding what the writers are doing. And then I get the next script and I'm like, oh, fuck, what? <laughs> And I'm so delighted. I'm continually so delighted because, you know, so you have to stay open to just like the the lunacy of it because it's just so where we go is so, yeah, it's just mind, mind melting. <laughs> is, is there a particular script moment where you had like a massive what the fuck moment? There was just, can I talk about season two? Uh, people are caught up, I'm reckoning, I imagine. Like, well, it's yes, all in the States. We can it, cope, yeah. We, we can cope. It hasn't actually launched out here in Australia yet, We, but I think it'll be, is it early September, Paul? Yeah, it's like the second of September or start. Yeah. But, but please, well, by all means, I'll, go, ahead. I'll, choose go one, ahead. I'll choose one from season one then, I guess. Um, so, because the one from season two came to mind, but I don't want to like, I don't want any spoilers. Okay. Um, <laughs> very cognizant of that. People are like, sensitive to spoilers and i get it man i get it um let's see season one there's a moment i mean what season two is more in my mind so you have to forgive me um i feel like the oh when they were inside this was the dopest thing when they were uh when jane and uh, robot man were inside the snow globe oh right I i remember reading that and just being like what what because <laughs> i that was one of my favorite storylines from from the like the nerd comics the, the yeah. uh, grant morrison run and it was just like oh my god like just that kind of shit you know and it kind of you know or just going into the white space and mr nobody's world all that stuff from season one where you're just like oh yeah okay of course he was like <laughs> he was like r- running the show the whole time you know <laughs> 
Now, on set, you've got a, a mixture of British actors and American actors. How does, how does that dynamic work? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we make fun of uh, Javan, God love him, quite a bit, where uh, we're, we're just like, Oi, Javan, it's your boy. You know, and we just, <laughs> like, it's, he's, yeah, I love that guy, man. But he's, he's so impressive because he does an American dialect uh, you know, for, for the show, and he keeps it up throughout the day. Um, oh wow! Like just to stay in character, mm. and then I see him outside, and we'll go to dinner, or go to drinks or something, and he's like his British self, and I'm like, oh yeah, you're British. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, oh my god, I forgot, you know. But yeah, so that's that's uh, crazy. But him and Tim, sometimes we're sitting at the cast chairs, and him and Tim will start talking about football, you know. And I think the rest of us tune out because we don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Manchester, blah blah blah, Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> I I like watching soccer. I'm not like no dig on soccer fans, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's not a religion for you guys. Yeah, we just we just don't know it. We're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there anything else you want to recommend or, you know, plug while you're here or you know, anything else you've got work are you working on in your um time away from the set? Yeah, I mean, I did uh, what's cool about this opportunity is that, you know, it, it helps you give opportunity to do other stuff, right? So I, I uh, wrote and uh, produced and acted in a short film uh, last November that I'm. Uh, it's working through its uh, way in the festivals, and mm-hmm. you know that's something that I'm going to post on my social media soon. Cool. Um, find me at Riley at Riley Shenanigan. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but I just I just also hope everybody's like staying safe and sane, and I hope that. You know, your show and your podcast and then my show, Doom Patrol, can, you know, help people get through this historically uh, strange time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's that's a very polite way of putting it, because uh, <laughs> yeah. Lord, Lord knows I've used Cliff Steel type language to explain some days during this current era oh, that we're in. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I journal every night, and last night, I sometimes they're extensive, and I try to contextualize the time or write poetry or whatever, and last night I just went... It's August. What the fuck? How <laughs> <laughs> in August? It was March a moment ago. Yeah. Uh, we no one is where we expected to be right now, are they? That's right. No. That's right. But have a great wedding, Mike. God, thank you. That's thank amazing. you so much. Congratulations, uh, Steve. Yeah, that's it's awesome. been a long time coming, and if I can give you, Riley, and our listeners uh, any piece of advice, um, that yeah. is, do not plan a wedding during a pandemic. <laughs> um, nothing will. If if you think a wedding wedding planning is stressful at the best of times, do, doing it during a pandemic is even worse. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, thankfully the, the big day is almost here, um, so we will get to celebrate in a few days. Thank goodness. Right. So, All right, yeah. that's awesome. Good, good, good. Have a great celebration. Thank Thanks you. for having me on, guys. This was great. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much. And now it's the part of the show that we call the Mailbag of Doom, where we look at all the uh, question answer the answers, not the questions. No one asks us questions this time. They give us answers, and we ask the question: What female comic character deserves an ongoing series? And we got a whole bunch of answers. And firstly, we heard from Jared Driscoll, and he he jumped from Facebook to Twitter. 
wow. And he said, I can't believe I'm using Twitter for this, but I always had a soft spot for Crystal from the Inhumans. She's the one with the really, really long hair, isn't she, Mike? Yes, and it has like a, it's like kind of blondy orangey hair and then a black band sort of in the middle of it, yes. Yeah, no, she's, she's pretty cute. Um, it, it must be the funky hairband she has. She also has connections to the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers. There's a lot that can be done with her. Cool. Yeah, unexplored, yeah, I, I think that would should be a good character to focus on. Hmm. Uh, we then head from Ranger Gord, who said Cinnamon. Ah, the Western hero. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I was not sure who that was. Right. Yeah, okay. oh, cool. Uh, Tim Price, the podcrasher. Now he's got his own podcast now. He has. I'm so proud of you, Tim. You've finally gone from crashing to hosting. Yeah. You're mm. out of control. Um, Kitty Pride. She's an intangible ninja computer hacker genius mutant. I think there's some, some stories to be had there. Yeah, they could do some stuff with her. I thought she died last week in the comics. Oh, uh, who knows with the X-Men? Uh, I don't okay. know. I don't read them anymore. Okay. Like, doesn't the, the island nation Krakoa just reincarnate them all? Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. That in, is the true. new X-Men thing? I don't yeah. know. Bloody mutants. Anyway, we then heard from uh, the Bat Pod, and they said, uh, Batwoman, she has a TV show but no ongoing series. A missed opportunity to possibly showcase this character for TV show fans. I know the character is changing in season two, but still deserving of a series. Yeah, get that synergy going, DC. Yes, please, Mm, yes. Amateurs. (laughs) (laughs) We heard from Canadian geek Craig, our friend Craig, and he said, Scandal Savage and her wives from Secret Six. Also like a monthly Wonder Woman Cassie Sandsmark series. Oh. Mm, he's still on that Secret Six kick from our episode we did with him. Yeah, yes. Uh, we then heard from Farmer Carl Brusades, who said, Invisible Woman would make a great series. She's smart enough to understand Reed and is one of the more powerful heroes in Marvel. Okay, she, yeah. She, she just had a mini with um, Mark Wade that was pretty good. But an ongoing, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's get an ongoing for Invisible Woman. I'd like to see oh. an Invisible Woman book. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> we heard from Jared, the yard sale artist, and he said, being a big G.I. Joe guy, I'd be interested in a Baroness solo book from Co- the Cobra site. Did it say Cobra or Cobra? Cobra. And a Jinx solo book from the Joe site. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd pretty be cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Matching covers. Yeah. Adam mm. Hughes, that'd, that'd work. <laughs> yep, that'd be cool. Uh, we also heard from Jeffrey Brown at Tashij... Jeffrey, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce you <laughs> until this morning. Um, and Jeffrey said, uh, Dead Girl from uh, the Ecstatics books. Uh-huh, so, yeah. yeah. I, I have to admit, I somehow completely miss slash bypass the Ecstatics. Um, it wasn't... I, I was reading a lot of X books back in the day, but I never got into Ecstatics, so... It's it's on my list of retirement reading when I when I'm not so right. not so busy. But yeah, I okay. really like to read the whole Ecstatics series. It had you know such a good buzz, and I, I love the mm. Mike Allred look and design of all the characters. And yeah. it had that shocking first issue where they killed off everyone in X Force and then spun <laughs> it out into uh, Ecstatic. So yeah, spoilers, mm. sorry. Mm. <laughs> it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh look, it's podcasting's Michael. Bailey, he does podcasts. Does, uh, does he? I was going to ask if he does yeah, podcasts. Yeah, he does. Um, he said, Power Girl. I know she's had her own series in the past, but I think that there is a lot to that character and she deserves her own ongoing. Runner-up, Jesse Quick and Jade, and call it The Quick and the Dead. Ooh. Ooh. Well, that's clever. Mm, yeah. It is. Always happy to see Power Girl. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we heard from Carl Brissades again, uh, and Carl this time said Gold Star, aka Michelle Carter, would make for an awesome series. It would be great if the Starfire series that started as part of the DCU could be revived. Okay. Mm. Cool. 
Nice. Uh, Sergeant America. He said Liz from Hellboy. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. That'd be interesting. I don't think yeah. she's ever had a solo uh, series. So she's the, the Firestarter lady from Hellboy, yes. as um, mm-hmm. featured in the first two movies. Yes. Yeah, yes. nice. Yes, Jonathan Die, uh, this week, aka Jonathan Black Lives Matter Die, uh, said, I am honestly surprised given how many X books have come out over my lifetime that Kitty Pride has never had an ongoing series. And I really want to see more rucker penned Renee Montoya. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Both good calls, yes. Yeah, I'd like to see uh, Renee Montoya. It doesn't have to be written by Rucker, but I'd love it to be uh, drawn by Cully, Cully Hamner. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, long been associated with that character. Um, Alan Middleton said, Madam Xanadu. Yeah, he was a big fan of the uh, Matt Wagner series a while back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bob Got On Ellis at Slomo said, Stealth from Legion 89. Okay, I'm I'm not aware of this character. Okay, um, she's got short blonde hair and she has yellow skin and she she can regenerate and... um, yeah, she she's a pretty cool character, and she can have you know stealth powers, hence the name. Uh, right. And she wears it like a sort of white, neat loincloth sort of thing going on. But um, yeah, no, she's a cool character. <laughs> Had some dramatic turns in that series. Um, yeah, the the way she, um, yeah, I think she raped one of the team leader at once at one point. Oh my. Okay. Oh yeah, but yeah, it wasn't her fault. Right. But still, not something you see in every comic. No, no, thankfully. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, we heard from Casual Hex, Revenge Technician, and they said Nightmare Nurse. Nightmare Nurse. Is that the one from Justice League Dark? Or That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with that one, but it sounds like a good name worth checking out. Mm. Hangs out with Scary Doctor. Um... <laughs> right, right, okay. We then heard from Sean Ross, uh, who said the short... Loved, I think he means short-lived Mockingbird series a few years back was excellent, and she absolutely deserves an ongoing. She is a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, former partner of Kazar, former wife of Hawkeye and Avenger, and has a super soldier serum and infinity formula running through her veins. Good Lord, that's a lot going on for one character. There's nothing you could do with that. There's no potential there. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, we heard from Dougie, Doug Zavisha, and he said, Vixen. Dougie. Dougie. He said, Vixen, supermodel, superhero, eco-warrior, Justice Leaguer, so much to explore and expand. Every issue could have a different feel and investigate a different topic. Uh, Tigra has a bunch of potential as well. Rachel Gray, Summers, deserves some ongoing character development and growth. Mmm, some, some good... 70s picks yeah. there. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, we then heard from uh, Jay Bandoy, who said, Am I pandering if I say Crazy Jane? Just started watching Doom Patrol. Three eps in, and I'm very much enjoying the show. Ooh. Excellent choice, sir. But yeah, a, a Jane series would be cool. Yeah. yeah I'd be into that. Um, we heard from David Ace Gutierrez. Um, should I do the joke? Owner of the Katana Banana. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't even understand that joke, and I'm going to make it. Yeah. Uh, he said, yeah. Black Orchid, before the plant bullshit, <laughs> White Tiger, <laughs> Shamrock, and Monica Rambeau. Okay. Yeah, some some uh, DC pick and a few Marvel picks there. That. Mm. Yeah. Monica Rambeau, yeah. the, she's Captain Marvel originally or something. Yes. Yeah, or she, not the original one, but yeah, she'd be good. Captain Marvel before the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel. Yeah, she needs Correct. something. Yeah. And she was in the Avengers, and I think she kind of had, like, um, light-based powers. Didn't um, she get called she... Photon for a while? I think so, yes. Yeah. Yes. As you can tell, we're big experts in the Marvelverse. Mm. Uh, 
Yes. Anyway, we then heard from uh, Ange at Dr. Ange 70 on the Twitters, and Ange said, surprise, Supergirl, but only if the creative team likes the character and DC lets them write her the way she should be written. Ooh. Uh, that seems impossible these days. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so Ange will say Black Orchid instead. Nice. Okay. Mm. I, I didn't mind the plant bullshit. But <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like the plant bullshit, but that's just me, I guess. Yeah, so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And we heard from Jonathan Schaefer Hames from Married with Comics, and he said Monica Rambeau. Another one for Monica Rambeau. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, we then heard from Ryan Daly at Ryan Daly01, and uh, yeah, we're getting some more, uh, uh, you know, additional votes for Monica Rambeau because uh, Ryan's listed her as well as Tigra, uh, Missy Knight, and Colleen Wing, Scarlet Witch, and uh, the Wasp, uh, brackets Janet. So Janet Van Dyne, Wasp. So yeah. Nice. I'm always disappointed by Ryan. Like he's so Marvel centric, he he always you know hurts me. Does he? He oh. does. You should um talk about that with a professional. I think. Uh, <laughs> Where would I find such a professional? I, I don't know. Look, um, you, you know, haven't you visited one in the past recently? Mm, yeah. Can't recall. Uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> right, that good was it. <laughs> Uh, we heard from Captain Funsicles, Quiz Lacey. I believe that's Steve Lacey over in the UK. And, no, he's, mm. in, he's in Europe. Oh, right. Yeah. Anyway, he said Rene Montoya, drawn by Bilquis Elverly. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Bilquis did that um, Sugar and Spike uh, back up in the... Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Really good. Cool. Uh, we then heard from Creative Credit Podcast, uh, and they replied with Rene Montoya as a question. Walk that line between street level and supernatural in the DCU is it sometimes had. Uh, Danette Riley, Firebrand, no other, re- no reason other than she's a fave, and Angelica Jones, Firestar, loved her four issue mini back in the day. Nice. Oh, Firebrand, that's a deep cut. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'd like to see that. They could, you know, just do a new version of her. That'd be cool. Hmm. Uh, who knows with DC continuity? There's no rhyme or reason about anything anymore. No. Um, we heard from Robert Ludwig, the most sane man among us. And uh, he said, Spider-Girl, a woman, uh, May Day Parker. If I remember right, during the comic book Spider-Verse, she stated she was now going to be Spider-Woman, and I want to see her adventures. That'd be good, hmm. yeah. Yeah, that'd I be like cool. seeing characters grow and um, mature yes. and change. Mm. Yes. Like Wally West before DC <laughs> did, did things. Did things, yeah. Mm. <clears throat> yes. Uh, we then heard from Nuno Duarte. Uh, apologies if I mispronounced that, Nuno. Uh, but they replied with, Vixen has always uh, an intriguing, strong, and independent character. Pairing Gal Simone and Pierre Guerra to handle the creative chores would be the cherry on top. Cool. Would that be would nice. be, yeah, that would be very cool. Mm. Mm. Uh, we heard from Clinton at Coffee and Comics, and he said, Dazzler! Uh, just because the first one hasn't held up over time doesn't mean we can't try again, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But what do you mean? Like, disco suits and, and roller skates are out of fashion? Is that what you're saying, Clinton? Not How around here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You come down here and say that, buddy. <laughs> uh, we then heard from Kirk Spencer, who said, Easy answer, uh, Mademoiselle Marie. French resistance fighter of World War Two. Okay, cool. I, I was not aware of that character, but it looks like she's involved with Sergeant Rock. Yeah, and Lady Blackhawk in that picture. But um, yeah, she was oh, yeah. in um, a flashback, a couple of flashback issues of um, the Rucker Charlton uh, Checkmate series. Ah, uh, okay. It was a really good series. I recommend them. Uh, cool. Justin Bernstein said, 
Lois Lane. Yeah, we just got the Lois Lane mini over. Um, yeah. Be good to have an ongoing. That that would be cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think that that'd be a big given. Yeah. Uh, Chris Lydon at Chris Lydon Seven said, "Big Barter." Right. Yeah. yeah I wonder. I wonder if she needs Mister Miracle there with her though. I love Big Barter. Uh, she was yeah. great in those Birds of Prey issues where she was in the team. Okay. Uh, yeah, cool. really good. She doesn't need him. <laughs> okay, cool. He could be there as a sidekick or something. Yes. Mo Walker uh, said Zatanna. And, uh, yeah. I don't think anyone would disagree with Zatanna getting a series. No, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Uh, JB at Negatron711 said Vixen, full character, lots to explore. Yeah, ah. for sure. Uh, Josh Cruz suggested Night Nurse, and he's a bit biased because he's a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> And he's a big fan of Night Nurse. So, yes. uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Darren Appel at Gerrigan said, Sue Richards, the Invisible Woman, highlight her S.H.I.E.L.D. missions away from the Fantastic Four. I was not aware that Sue had been involved with S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. Uh, see the Invisible Woman a miniseries that recently completed. Right. I probably won't, but noted. <laughs> it's just a mini. Anyway. <laughs> you should go buy it on your honeymoon. <clears throat> God. Uh, we heard from Rizmad. Damus. Rizma Damus. Anyway, they said Voodoo. She is an underrated comic character for sure, and from what I can tell so far, always an exciting moment and story plot. So, mm, yeah, there was that uh, New 52 Voodoo series, but yeah, she could just yes. come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we then heard from Stargirl uh, at Just Call Her Star, and Stargirl said, Mary Marvel. She deserves it. She hasn't had a series in 80 years, which is wrong on so many parts. She's a very sweet character that needs a writer who understands and doesn't want to sexualize her like Peter David, Keith Giffen, and other male writers. In comics? Co- You're kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, slang word resist said I want particularly I would particularly love to see an actual Patsy Walker series again in the Archie the Married Life vein or the return of the Little Jinx series that had her in junior high school I think Jay Torres and Rich Burchett created it oh that's yeah. a, I thought Patsy Walker was a Marvel character but you know that's, that's what I know That that's who I'm assuming but maybe he um, wants maybe there's a kind of... Archie origin back in the day or maybe I'm not something. sure yeah We'll have to look into that more. Let us know. Let us know if you know. Yeah, we're missing something there. Uh, Dustin at uh, DreRayD94 said Cheshire. Ah, yes, the the Titans assassin. Ah, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is she too psycho to have her own series? I don't know. Look, if they give Harley Quinn one, you know, anything's possible. Uh, Cheshire destroyed an entire country with a nuke. Well, you know, we could delve into the reasons why. You know, what... (laughs) What's going on behind the mask? Because Marv Wolfman wanted to do it, I believe. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Mass murderers, yeah. Maybe, maybe. I don't know where her continuity is at anymore, so that she may be perfectly valid. She may not even be a killer at the moment. Who knows? Who knows? Hmm. We heard from Ken Raining at Hive Husband, and Ken said, Zatanna, preferably by Paul Dini. Ooh. I've actually... There was an ongoing by a Paul Dini of Zatanna. I've got the whole trade of it on digital, but I've never read it. Oh, hmm. Wow, okay. There you go. Uh, Robert A. Range at Rob T. A. Range on Twitter said, I'd love a Sabre series set in Israel. Is it Sabra, I believe? Anyway. Sabra? Yeah. Sabra? Um, she was character introduced in The Hulk, I believe. And uh, I believe oh. she's a very important character to Israeli comic fans. So, yeah, that would be that would be good and interesting. Well, yes. I mean, yeah, some representation from your, your own native country would, yeah, is always good. Yeah. Cool. Alrighty. We got an email from Martin Gray. We did. 
Oh, do you want me to read it out loud? If you would like to read it out loud, that's how well, we... Well, I was, I was reading it, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Martin was commenting on our Weight of the World finale episode, which is the previous episode of Waiting for Doom, and he said, Thanks for another excellent episode. I've been waiting for your opinion on the, please God, final issue of the Jared Way Doom Patrol. We seem to be in agreement. Great art, okay story... I enjoyed the issue more than the other recent ones, but felt none of the emotional connection to it at all. I can remember lots of details from issues of other Doom Patrol runs, but this, no. I doubt this series will be much better in trade paperback. I reckon it will be simply be one longer pile of random. You two did a wonderful job of trying to find the connection between the characters and the storylines of Weight of the Worlds. You're very good at this and far kinder than me. Don't change. Oh, well. That's nice. Oh. Are you sure this was written without any input from the TV show? Isn't one of the co-writers that nice Jeremy one of the TV people? Best of most, Mart. Uh, No, that's uh, Jeremy Lambert and Jeremy Carter. They are both Jeremys, but they're not the same. And, um, Mm. yeah, from our interview with uh, Jeremy Lambert back in the day, uh, we can confirm that uh, the series was written without the TV show in mind. So, Mm. as far as we know. Yeah. Uh, we then got a comment on uh, our site, waitingfordim.com, uh, from Tim Price. And Tim wrote on the site, oh, you guys want emails? Okay. We then got an email from what? Tim Price. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Weed synergy. Uh, we then got an email from Tim Price, uh, also talking about uh, uh, Weight of the World's Issue 7. And Tim writes, uh, hello, Doom Splainers, the grand finale, I mean finale of Weight of the Worlds. And I... Wish I had something big to say about it. The artwork is wonderful, of course. It is just so darn great to look at. But I pretty much echo both of your thoughts on the story. It didn't really have a progression or connections between the issues. It's just random stuff, which can be fine, and I really enjoyed some of the issues in this volume a lot. But the finale didn't click as well. A bit disappointing. About the only theme I can dredge up is Cliff started as Man-Man, tragically back to Robot Man, and finishes Robot Baby. So, yeah... I'm really glad to see Season 2 is coming to Foxtel. They obviously listened to this episode and got the hint. (laughs) Well done. I hope this isn't spoilery. There's an episode where Reaches says, My bees, and all I hear is, My bits! Thanks for that, Mike. (laughs) You're welcome, Tim. I hope you enjoyed the emailist, emailific email that ever emailify. Tim Pricemail. Thank you, Tim. (laughs) Thank you, Tim. My bits, indeed. So, uh, Paul, uh, do you have... uh, uh, a, a woman character. Do you have a woman that should have her own ongoing series in comicdom? Yeah, well, when I um, drafted this question, I did have one in mind, and I've changed my mind. I was going to say Mary Marvel. Oh. I thought I'd really like to see a Palmiotti uh, Connor Mary Marvel series. Oh. Where, you know, I thought there'd be some fun comedy in that. But I've changed my mind. I would like to see Nightshade in a series. Um, oh. Yeah, she has the ability to open portals and step through and travels through a, a very disturbing nightshade dimension to get there. And her character has recently popped up in Deceased, uh, Hope at World's End. And when she becomes uh, infected by the anti-life equation, she is terrifying because she basically opens portals and grabs people. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. Scary stuff. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see a spy series with her, with her powers. I think she's um, got so much potential. She's uh, DC's Black Widow. Um, you know, she, okay. she can do that spy stuff and the, the superpower mm. stuff and the infiltration. And yeah, I, I think that would be awesome. And I'd love to see someone write that and draw it. Cool. Someone, someone else draw it. Unless the someone. person was a writer. But yeah. What about you, Mike? What do you got? Uh, 
I'm going to go with Lois Lane because I think it would be really cool to have sort of like that slice of life slash street level um, almost kind of detective work thing going on. And she could have so many guest stars, um, you know, across the whole DCU. She could go and investigate stories in, in different parts of, you know, uh, DCU America, um, but also, you know, travel overseas and, and, and deal with mysteries and that pretty much anywhere. Um, and I think it could be like a really cool, you know, anthology type series almost, mm-hmm. um, with her reporting on, on different things happening in the DCU that, that would be, I think, something really cool to see. So, yeah, I'd go with Lois. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool. What a show. What a show. What a show. I, I finally calmed down from chatting with Riley Shanahan. Do you mind? Mm, yeah. Friend of the show. Uh, friend of the show, Riley Shanahan. <laughs> yes. Riley, if you're listening, uh, thank you again so much for your time. Yeah. Very much appreciated. Uh, and thank you for, you know, essentially Robot Man blessing our wedding. So... <laughs> It's it's very much appreciated. <laughs> that is very good. So, yes. So, Paul, what have we got uh, coming up next on the feed? Uh, I think, well, there'll be a little break for you because uh, getting yep. married, going on a honeymoon. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, all that, all that good stuff. Um, I'm not going to yes. trouble you with any podcasting during that. Uh, but when we come back, we will do a DC OCD on the Dark Side War. So looking, that's what's coming up next. Yeah. I might have to take some reading material on the honeymoon. Please to, do, please. <laughs> I don't want you getting bored. <laughs> um, and do we have a question of the week for the next Waiting for Doom? We sure do. I'm ripping off uh, Wait What because I haven't done any prep. And I'm going to mm-hmm. ask, uh, what is your favourite, uh, not your in particular, what is Mike's favourite uh, anniversary issue? Oh. So, you know, issue 150, 75. Right. That sort of thing. Special cover. Okay. Foil. Holograms. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So so you want people guessing what my favourite anniversary issue is? No, let's turn that on its head and they can say what theirs are. Right. That's what I thought you were getting at. <laughs> and then you used your words and confused everyone. <laughs> Mainly me. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a little twist on the whole, you know. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. You know, I haven't got enough on my mind already. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for that. All right. We'll start signing off there. Uh, As always, if you want to get in touch, you can contact us uh, via Wilfred on Twitter. He's at WFTPod. You can email us at waitingfordoom at gmail.com. You can contact us on the Waiting for Doom Facebook page and on our awesome website, waitingfordoom.com. So thank you, Paul. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, listeners. As always, stay weird. Be good to each other. Don't be a crumb bum. And we will catch you next time for more Waiting for Doom. Waiting for Doom.